0: Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class Podcast, brought to you from the campus of Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina, sponsored by the Foundation of Wayne Community College. Hey everyone, it's your favorite instructor, Ryan Bradshaw, and this lecture is for Principles of Management. And we are on chapter 13, which is a great chapter to go out on before we have a four-day weekend, which is our kind of condensed spring break since we were out for that week that we had uh, suspended classes due to the coronavirus. And so, uh, just as a disclaimer, um, I was recording in my van to have kind of a, not quite soundproof experience, but more of a... A quiet experience, but as it's getting hotter and hotter outside, you know it was 85, 87 degrees today with no airflow. That's getting really difficult. So I'm out on my porch uh, with a nice breeze, and we just had a pretty significant rainstorm. But we now have some kind of residual drizzle going on. And so if you hear rain, or if you hear a little bit of thunder, or if you hear kids screaming in the background uh just ignore all that that's fine this is just uh how we're doing things now for now and that's okay you know we're changing it up we're making it work and since this is a management class that's what you have to do sometimes you have to uh work with the cards you're dealt and keep the show running the show must go on right and so uh let's see what we've got to talk about i sent out an email yesterday or maybe it was this morning i send one out every day um I think it was this morning the one I sent out regarding uh this new streaming service. This is some news um and I know we talk about movies and food and world events so we'll we'll start with the movies and and shows but anyway yeah I had heard about this service a while back and um I forget exactly where I heard about it but it sounded interesting to me. It was um I think I heard about it on a podcast this new service coming and I went ahead and signed up uh, pre-launch to have access to it from launch day, which was uh, two days ago now. It came out on Monday. I guess if you're listening to this on Thursday, it's three days ago. But in any case, um, I got access to it and downloaded it. And the whole concept behind Quibi is uh, this Quibi stands for Quick Bytes, meaning that they are trying to fill a niche for people that don't have a lot of time to watch something, but they want to watch quality content, but they can't sit down and watch a 30-, 45-minute or hour-long program or a two-hour movie. And even me, you know, I grew up as a movie buff. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, movies were my thing. I watched a lot of movies. And nowadays, for me to sit down and watch an hour-and-a-half or two-hour movie, really, really, really difficult. I mean, I've got three kids, you know, I've got work. I mean, it's just uh constant, like, you know, every hour of the day I've got something that I need to be doing, you know. So um, usually the movies I watch nowadays, I will watch in probably <laughs> four or five different segments. You know, I'll watch 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, you know. So this idea of Quick bites is kind of appealing to me. And so I don't know a lot about the company as far as I think it's a joint venture between a couple other broadcast companies and i need to look into that because that's stuff. you know anytime a new company comes on the scene that i'm interested in i want to dig deeper and find out you know kind of uh how they're structured what their kind of marketing plan is um who's involved in it i know there's a lot of celebrities uh involved in this there's a lot of kind of big name actors that i see on the screen uh in different you know setups so I do recommend I said in the email there's a ninety day free trial um you can just go to the app store and download it. I mean, I don't have any type of affiliate link or anything, and I definitely don't make any money recommending it, but for ninety days for free, I think you know you could at least check it out and see you know since we're home anyway during the coronavirus, this would be a good time to check out something like that um I'll just say from watching it um I've watched probably three or four different shows. Maybe one episode of some, all all of the episodes of another. I watched one episode of one called Survivor or Survive. I don't I don't know. I think maybe it's Survive. It's got the one of the lead actresses from Game of Thrones. Cannot remember her name. Um she plays one of the Stark sisters. Can't remember the can't remember all the details, but it was okay. It was uh it hasn't got me yet. You know, I might watch some more. Um, then I, one of the early shows that, I, I guess early is still, I all early, but one of the first shows I watched was, it's called last night's late night, which is a late night show recap in about six minutes. It will kind of go through four or five or six of the late night shows and show you the high points of what happened on each of the late night shows. So, if you want if you like late night like jimmy fallon or jimmy kimmel or colbert or you name it any of the uh trevor noah any of the late night guys this show will kind of hit the high points of the celebrities that were there up there what they were talking about any funny things they did and so it's a quick six minute you know recap and i've watched i think two episodes of that and i thought that was really interesting um probably the best show i want one other frontier about my best show. One other one is a show, I think it's called You Don't Got These or You Don't Have These. I think it's You Don't You Don't Have Got These. Uh, but anyway, it's about sneakers or shoes, tennis shoes. Um, and it talks about sneaker culture and how there's basically all this culture and art and um, I guess street cred and identity that go into tennis shoes and uh, all the different varieties of... You know, they talked a lot about Jordans, and I like tennis shoes myself. Um, hadn't bought any in a while, but I do, I do like nice tennis shoes, and so I watched the first episode of that. Once again, six or seven minutes, very, very brief, but you know, it's, it's perfect, because it like, you just get a little taste, and it's not too long, and you know, you move on. And then the, the last thing I watched, uh, today actually, I started today, and there was only there was five episodes available. Each one was six to eight minutes, and I watched all five episodes because I really liked it. It was called Shape of Pasta, and I like to cook. Um And so the concept for this show is a a, a chef who runs a restaurant in California said that he wanted to go to Italy to learn how to make these exclusive, hard-to-find, obscure uh, styles of pasta that really – uh are only known in this like one town in italy you know like there's all it's just one town and like one person or two people that make this pasta and that's it you know like the whole world you know you just go have to if you want this particular style of pasta you have to go to that town to talk to hang out with this it's usually older ladies you know like grandmas and they've been making it this way for centuries you know it was like one the, by by episode three The lady who was making it, it was like she said her great-grandmother's mother was like making this. And she had a tool that she used to shape the pasta with her fingers. And she said this tool was made by like her, you know, 150, 200 years ago family. And you can't buy it anywhere. It's not, you can't replicate it. It's just, this is the one so it was really cool. And uh, the first episode, though, I think is what really kind of drew me in because in this first episode, they make a pasta. And this and the one thing that blew me away, too, was all the ingredients were all fresh, and they were all very simple, and there wasn't a lot of ingredients that went into these dishes. So for pastas, it was basically like flour and either uh, water or eggs, and they would make this really simple fl- uh, dough, that they needed and then they would um, roll out and then they would start shaping the pastas however their method uh dictated and this first uh method oh gosh i i don't know like i can't remember the name of it but it was um it was like risconetti or something like this and it had uh this shape that was probably about the size of I don't know. Maybe um, the shape of it was was pretty big for pasta. I would say, um, trying to give something bigger than a box of matches. So I mean, it's a uh, imagine like a oval-sized pasta, bigger than a box of matches, and it had these indentions in it, and it kind of curled up like a mushroom. And so when you serve it, the pasta kind of it made like a little bowl kind of that the sauce got into. And, man, I was just – I watched that, and I was like, I would love to learn how to make pasta like this. And I already make bread. I think I do a pretty decent job making, like, white bread from scratch. And so um, I think I could do this. I'm going to try to learn how to make pasta. Uh, But the the problem is it's not hard to make, I don't think, but it's time-consuming. It just – I mean, when you're making pasta for, you know, a group of people, yeah, that could be very time-consuming. So – then you just look at that box of dried pasta that's in your cabinet and think, "Why didn't I just boil this noodles and go with it?" But I think if you actually made fresh pasta and boiled it and did it right, you would be done forever. I think that you know this. We'd be like, "Look, there's no way I can ever eat dried pasta again." You know, just that you boil. That's. It, I mean, I, I I need to try it. This is something I need to like strive to do. And so we've talked about uh what else? Well, we've talked about like movies. We talked about food. And so let's talk about world events a little bit before we take a four-day break. So world events, of course, we're still in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, I have gone out probably too much uh, to go grocery shopping and things like that. I've been very cautious each time I've gone out, but every time I go out in public, I'm very paranoid. I think everybody is. And so I really want to make it a goal like... I told my wife, um, I'm planning to go to the grocery store first thing early Saturday morning and buy all the groceries we need for that week and really avoid going to the grocery store uh, for just just once a week. You know, that's that's where I, want, I need to be. Because going like two or three times a week, uh, that's... Uh, and I, I don't go to Walmart two or three times a week, but I might go, like today I went to Pickle Wiggly, for example. And, you know, it's just the way this virus can live on surfaces... Uh, i'm okay with avoiding people you know like i'll stay social distance that's all good but you know to think that somebody could have touched a box and it's contaminated with and it could live there for several days and then you bring that into your house i mean that you know it's just a invisible enemy and so it can make you very paranoid so i'm going to try to do better to stay out of stores as much as possible in the coming weeks um but we are hearing some positive news that we might be reaching peaks in some areas, like New York, I believe, I uh, said was going to peak in the next week or so. Um, we do have a car driving by, so if you hear that, just wave. Hey, car. Hello. Um, but yeah, New York is possibly peaking soon, and that's that's a good thing the thing is though we are going to have peaks at different time on, on different timetables just imagine every town in the united states that has cases is basically on its own clock and we don't know when that town is going to peak or you know we don't we just don't know we or it could dry up as it is you know you might have two cases and then done but you, we just there's so many unknowns and that's why we're really just taking it day-to-day, week-to-week. And so continue to practice safety precautions. That's the main thing. And know that Wayne is here to support you. I can't stress that enough. I know you've seen it uh, all over the place uh, that we are here to support you. Uh, I, information did come down today that we are going to start advising soon for summer semester. So I encourage all of you to take at least one to two classes. It will help you kind of uh, give you something to do if we are still in – corona universe you know but also it will continue to move you towards your goal of graduation so i know since you're a seated class that you would probably prefer to be in seated situations i enjoy um, lecturing and, and hanging out with you guys in a seated situation but we have to adapt you know this is the cars we've been dealt the show must go on and you know i've been in both scenarios as a student i was a seated student for all of my undergrad in fact, when I started college in 1998, the internet was just getting started. I mean, like, when I was in high school, the internet and, and basic web pages. we had AOL, we had dial-up, and uh, you know, where you heard the little connection, and you've got mail. And so we've come a long way, but I didn't start taking online classes until grad school, and uh, I took many years of straight online classes, so this is uh, the challenge that we have to deal with, but... The good thing about what we deal with at Wayne is that um, we have hybrid situations where, you know, you're, you're doing some seated lecture, you're doing online work. And so most of you or all of you should be uh, able to adapt to this online environment without any major issues. So, But if you do have some concerns or you need anything at all, please let me know. We're here to support you. All right. So we've talked about food and movies and stuff. And we talked about world events um let's jump into talking about leadership great topic by the way i absolutely love talking about leadership it's just uh it's one of those topics that um it's probably one of my top three favorite chapters in all of management and the reason why is because um i studied leadership when i was at liberty as a doctoral student uh, my doctor my doctorate's in educational leadership so i had to read several books on leadership and <clears throat> study management theory and leadership theory and uh I, the thing that's cool about leadership to me is that it takes so many different forms. You look at, just think in your mind of 50 different leaders, or least that's maybe too many to, to to kind of jump in there, but when I say leadership, people should start coming into your mind. So think of two or three of le- leaders that, that pop into your mind first when you hear the word leadership. And one thing that is interesting is that those two or three people you probably thought of, they're very different people in some cases. They may have similar traits that they share but for the most part, they're very different. And one way I like to talk about leadership, and at least uh, in a way that I can do it, is that um, – I'm sorry, my children came to check on me. Hello. But um, one way I like to frame it is uh, this idea of Picard versus Kirk. And if you don't know who Picard and, and Kirk are, these were the captains of the Star, Starship Enterprise and Star Trek. You probably remember, even if you're not a fan, you know you've seen Kirk and Picard, you might have even heard me talk about these two guys before uh as a comparison, but I like to draw this comparison for one simple reason: they were both the captain of the ship, but they were both very different uh Kirk was very impulsive, he liked to jump right in and figure it out as he went along. Picard was very paced, he was very um what's the word I'm looking for he was a, he was an ambassador he liked to. Get all the information before he made a move. He was very decisive, but both of these gentlemen were picked to be captain, you know. And and I didn't really watch a lot of other Star Trek beyond Next Generation. Uh, I I mean I like some other stuff, but I didn't watch Voyager, so I don't know what kind of personality Janeway have. I really should watch it just to bring bring her into this conversation, but I guess she was in charge of the Voyager, which wasn't the Enterprise, which kind of could mess up my example a little bit any case, um, you can see just the contrast between Kirk and Picard, though, how leadership uh, can take different forms. And so it's both an art and a science. Um, So you can look, in fact, one of the books I read about leadership, you can look for a lot of different definitions. Um, In fact, one of the books I read in grad school said that the authors were researching definitions of leadership, and they were able to... Uh, discover over a thousand different definitions of leadership and if I ask all of my students to write one word that they associate with leadership there may not be a thousand different words in fact there probably would be some similar words Uh, but you would see a large diversity of words that would come to mind Um, so the book defines leadership Uh, It says, leadership is frequently defined as a social interpersonal influence relationship between two or more persons who depend on each other to attain certain mutual goals in a group situation. Effective leadership helps individuals and groups achieve their goals by focusing on the group's maintenance needs. The needs for the individual to fit and work together by having, for example, shared norms and task needs. <clears throat> Excuse me one second while I have a swallow my water. Okay. So, managers versus leaders. So, what do you think the difference is? When I say manager, what does that mean? When I say leader, what does that mean? You know, as far as the difference between the two. I'll tell you. Managers focus on getting things done. And leaders focus on doing things the right way. So managers are focused on, you know, I'm, I've got a list of things I need to do. I'm going to take care of that list. But managers focus on the process and making sure that we're doing things right, doing it the right way. And if you talk to any company or anybody that's that's led a company or, or been a leader in a company for any length of time, they'll tell you that processes evolve over time with the hope that those processes lead to better outcomes and hopefully it's better for everybody meaning that we're doing you know right by our customers by our associates our, our colleagues our co-workers our stakeholders our owners you know that's the kind of change that is good and we're doing things that are the right and good for everybody it's not always the case sometimes companies change Uh, and it's and it hurts certain individuals or stakeholders sometimes companies change uh, make changes that benefits customers but don't help employees or sometimes uh, companies change and it helps employees uh, but it doesn't do anything for the customers I mean there's just all kinds of uh, variables at play and so leadership is a process a complex and dynamic exchange relationship Build over time between leader and follower and between leader and the group of followers who depend on each other to attain mutually desired goals. There are several key components to this working relationship. The leader, the followers, the situation, the leadership process, and the consequences or the outcomes. So these are the, the variables at play. Across time each component interacts with and influences the other components. And whatever consequences, such as leader, follower, trust, are created, influence future interactions. As any one of the components changes, so too will leadership. And so over time you can build trust amongst your colleagues and build trust amongst your followers or subordinates, or you can erode trust. And I'll say that I, I say this about integrity to every class. And if I haven't said it to you yet, I'm going to say it right now, that integrity is such a fragile thing. And, you know, I would say that you should protect your integrity above all things in your business life and in your personal life. Because if your friends, if your family, if your colleagues, if your co-workers, if your bosses, if your subordinates can't trust you to keep to your word, then you've really lost a lot of clout. You've lost a lot of weight. And people don't want to be around people they, they don't trust. They don't want to work with people they don't trust. They don't want to have relationships with people they don't trust. And you can violate that trust, but what happens is <coughs> so the the way I would a good analogy for this, if you violate a trust with somebody, it's like a scar. Uh, it's like you wound that person in some way and it heals up, right? The wound heals over time, but there's a scar, there's a reminder that there was a trust violation. And no matter what you do, you never get the 100% pre, pre-violation. It never heals back 100%. There's always a little scar or a wound there. And they always keep that in the back of their minds. Like, well, you know, I like this person. I want to trust this person. And I do trust this person, but there's the but. You know, this one time they lied to me or they, they did something that led me to think this person's untrustworthy. And so now I have to question... Is, it, is this that one time, you know? And so keeping your word is so valuable. I can't I can't stress that enough. If you do something or you, you're in a situation where you feel like you've dropped the ball or made a mistake, own it immediately. Guess what? You'll sleep better at night. Guess what? People will trust you more because you made a mistake and you own it immediately. People forgive you for making mistakes. Everybody makes them. But people will be wounded by... A violation of trust or some some type of uh, erosion of trust over time so keep that in mind own your integrity it's extremely valuable and so um, we've talked about the leadership process a little bit already and we're it's really you've, you've probably heard this more and more mentioned. outcomes you know what are, what are we looking at with regards to outcome how are we measured uh, is it through uh, production, you know, is is, is is are we able to motivate people to produce a certain number of units a day? Or is it is the outcome the customer experience? Are our customer experience scores at a certain level and that, that says that we have good outcomes? So you have to understand what your goals are in order to measure those goals and understand what outcomes you're trying to seek. And if that's the case, then it becomes easier to lead because you can have that focus. You can have that singular mission that this is what we're here to do this is what we're here to achieve and you can guide people and help them be on that uh, that message so leaders are people who take charge of or guide the activities of others they're often seen as the focused or the focus or orchestrator of a group activity the people who set the tone of the group so that they can move forward to attain its goals leaders provide the group with what is required to fulfill its maintenance and task-related needs the follower is not pa- a passive player uh, Edwin Hollander after many years of studying leadership suggested that the follower is the most critical factor in any leadership event it is after all the follower who perceives the situation and comes uh, to define the needs that the leader must fulfill in addition it is the follower who either rejects the leadership or accepts I'm sorry accepts acts of leadership by surrendering his power to the leader to diminish task uncertainty, to define and manage the meaning of the situation to the follower, and to orchestrate the follower's action in pursuit of goal attainments. Context refers to the situation that surrounds the leader and the followers. Situations are multidimensional. And so, uh, as we've had a lot of change recently, right? So, context refers to the situation. We are in the midst of a global pandemic. You've seen leaders in recent days and recent weeks have a complete 180 on their uh, the way they view the world and the way they um, they thought that they should act prior to this pandemic. As an example, and this is not political, it's just observational. um, Typically, conservatives stand for limited governments, balance or or uh low 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 government spending things like that and democrats or uh progressives you know want to have larger governments more government programs things like that and so that is the fundamental dichotomy between the two parties well when this pandemic hit and unemployment spiked and when i say spiked I mean spiked uh, in a way that is unprecedented, and I've used that word a lot, uh, but it is off the chart spiked. I mean, we were over 10 million in two weeks, jobless claims, which means that it's probably more than that, but in any case, we're looking to leadership. We're looking to, okay, you know, we knew what the leadership style or philosophy was before all this, but when this hit, all that went out the window, all of a sudden, it's let's get money into the hands of the people we need to create more government we need to create more money and more programs to help people and so the context makes a huge difference and uh, you may like have a certain leadership style and a way of doing things but in an event of a crisis that kind of stuff might go out the window and you have to do what you have to do to survive uh, as far as um, keeping the organization afloat. As, let me give you an example in a business context. So let's say that your personal management philosophy is that uh, I don't I don't like to fire people. You know I like to create an environment where people feel welcome and they should stay. You know and do a good job. And if they need to leave, that's on their own prerogative. You know. But I'm going to work with people. If I if you know occasionally I might have to fire somebody, but for the most part, I want people to feel like Uh, I'm going to help them do better at their job instead of turning them over. Well, that may be a great personal philosophy as a manager and leader, but guess what? If the economy tanks and you're faced with a real situation of, well, it's either lay off half your employees or close the doors to the company, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. And that's what I'm talking about with with regards to the context. And so we've talked about the process uh, several times, but let's talk about consequences or outcomes. I've talked about that a little bit. So a number of outcomes or consequences of the leadership process unfolds between the leader, the followers, and the situation. At the group level, two outcomes are important. Have the group's maintenance needs been fulfilled? So are we doing what needs to be done in order to make, make sure that the group is being maintained? That's important. Because if we're not doing that, we're actually building a destructive situation that could implode on us. Have the group's tasks needs been met? Meaning, do they have the tools and resources? Um, are they uh, motivated? Are they are they satisfied? Are they able to perform? So these are the two main questions. So let's talk about formal and informal leaders. Mm-hmm. A formal leader has leadership clout, meaning that they have a title, you know, a manager or a vice president or district manager, whatever it may be, you know. And a informal leader is somebody that takes on leadership roles but may not necessarily be titled with a leadership position. So so that one key person that people listen to but they're not necessarily a manager. But they they, they, they have the respect of the other people and so that's an informal leader. And so we've got a couple past the leadership You could be a designated leader, meaning that somebody points to you and appoints you a leader. Or you could be an emergent leader that just kind of rises because the dynamics say that uh, they call for leadership to kind of emerge from within. And so let's say that you've never considered being a leader, but you're in a situation where you're in a room with six or seven other people and nobody knows what to do, but you feel like you know what should be done that could be life telling you it's time to emerge as the leader of the moment. Um, and so leadership, let's talk about this next thing. Leadership as an exercise of influence. There's some things you can do to influence people. You could reward people through, uh, intrinsic and extrinsic rewards. Intrinsic means internal extrinsic means external. Think when you think intrinsic things that make people feel good about their jobs, you know, um, you know, inter- in- in- internal reward means that you might let people have more autonomy and decision making over their position, more creative control, things that lead to those types of outcomes. Um, but extrinsic reward means recognition, pay, um, awards that you might give them, things like that. Another type of power of influence is coercive, where you, th- I don't like the word threaten, but you, you know, you put people in a situation where they have to perform or else, you know. referent power, the power a person has because others want to associate with her or be accepted by him or her. Expert power is where people look to you as a knowledge leader. And then the last is legitimate power, that you have a right of authority because... That, that's what you have so if you interact with a law enforcement officer law enforcement officer definitely has legitimate power they've been deputized and they have legitimate power and so um a couple of things i want to talk about before we get to the end of the chapter um there is a key person that i have to bring up when, when we talk about leadership and this person is mcgregor uh, mcgregor um and he's really like just a great thought leader when it comes to leadership. Um, McGregor had this idea about theory X and theory Y. Okay. And this is two different sets of attitudes that he believed individuals can possess. Theory X and Y thinking gives rise to two different styles of leadership. So the theory X leader assumes that average individuals dislike work and are incapable of exercising adequate self-direction and self-control as a, as a consequence they exert a highly controlling leadership style and theory Y believes that people have creative capacities as well as both the ability and desire to exercise self-direction and self-control and so i can say from experience that you have to use both of these leadership styles so a quick story when i was at walmart i had a number of associates and department managers that i have i was responsible for at a given time you know depending on what area i was managing at the time but as an example um one time i was over grocery and the dairy department and frozen goods and so within those that area those are three department managers frozen good department manager dry grocery and dairy and so um at the just from the beginning the dry grocery manager was very much a theory x person he was very good at his job but he has um just had control like had anger issues and you had to like uh kind of not stay on him but you had to kind of use that coercive control kind of like where you're not threatening, that's not, I don't like that word, but you had to use a more stern tone with this individual because uh, they would, this person would fight you on everything and resist whatever direction you gave. Um, the frozen goods manager was almost the exact opposite. Very easy to get along with. Um, you could just show up, talk to him briefly about what needed to be done and things were taken care of. And the dairy person was very much like that as well. Um, Eventually, the dry grocery person shifted to dairy, and we got a new dry grocery manager. Um, And then I had a situation where frozen and dry grocery were easy to manage, and then dairy became... Now, as far as the department, this person was on top of their business, but they just had... I don't know. They just resisted authority, did not want to comply with direction um wanted to fight and resist any type of authority and so you know uh it's just it became an issue and I had to eventually sit down and talk to him about it and I worked with this individual for 4 years and in th- that last year I worked with him he eventually apologized to me and said I'm sorry I've been this way I have anger issues and uh, you know and as it turns out i mean i heard through the grapevine which that is an actual communication channel in organizations that he had some some problems at home and you know and so you just don't know what people are going through behind the scenes that being said there's a time and a place to deal with that stuff and at the workplace you really should leave that drama at, at the door um and in an ideal world that would be awesome if people could um so but unfortunately a lot of people don't leave that drama at the house and it ends up being a problem because uh, they when you're dealing when you work with people they bring in all types of personal issues and things that that just come up you just have to this this will be a challenge for you in management to to deal with that stuff all right so a couple other things to mention um we talked about early in the conversation about leadership traits so I'm going to bring it up again. What What do you think if you had to associate one word with leadership? What would it, What would it be? You know, think about that for a second. If you had to say this one word equals good leadership, what What would it be? And so, early leadership theory was based on this idea of a great man theory of leadership. Some people were born with necessary attributes to be great leaders. Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, Joan of Arc, Catherine the Great, Napoleon, Mahatma Gandhi are cited as naturally great leaders, born with a set of personal qualities that made them effective leaders. Um, I'm sure you can name many more. You know, MLK, uh, Jesus Christ, you know, people that were able to inspire movements of people and followers, uh, even... Uh, leaders that we may think are bad leaders, like Stalin or Hitler or Mussolini or Castro, um, these even though that we may not agree uh, with their political ideologies, and don't get me wrong, these were some bad folks. Um, I'll say that they still were able to inspire their followers, and they were able to use leadership in an effective way, albeit for a uh, ill purpose and so let's talk about leadership traits um the first one is drive drive is this this ambition this uh get it done attitude and i got a somebody that, that i've seen recently that really spoke to me when i i mean i could just see it when i when i it's like you know if i asked you to tell me what art is you might struggle for a minute to tell me but you know it you can point to it and say that's art and so when you say leadership, um, I can, like, see it, I can taste it, I can smell it. When I see it on somebody, I just, I, it's right there. Here's another car driving by. I wave. Hey, car. All right. But, yeah, so I was watching TV the other night, just getting an update on the virus, and this general came on TV. This guy named General uh, Simonite, I believe, it, I believe is how you pronounce his name. S-E-M-O-N-I-T-E, I believe. Simonite? Simonite, yeah. Simonite. And so this guy, from the minute I heard him talk, I heard him talk for like 30 seconds before I decided this guy's got it. He is on fire, driven to get real change done. They built a hospital that they said, well, they didn't build the physical structure, but they went into a structure and created a hospital in like seven days. And they said it would, they would have 1,000 beds. They ended up getting 3,000 beds in this place. And when I looked at the pictures and watched them do a, a tour, this was a nice triage center. I mean, they had these uh, these, these I don't know if it's particle board or some type of uh, dividers. They had up like cubicles they created, and they all, each individual one had curtains and a bed and all these tools and 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 like things that they needed in each little unit. And they had ran oxygen um, piping into the building so every patient could have oxygen. I mean, and I mean, this guy was on fire. He's Army Corps of Engineers, is is who he works with. And I was thinking, man, that guy's got the leadership. He's just on fire. He's enthusiastic. And I got to say, you know, every class that I teach seated, I have this exercise where I asked you to get down to your one word that describes you. And you may remember, you may not, but my word is enthusiasm. And I, I stand by this. If you're enthusiastic about something, it makes all the difference in the world. You can be terrible at whatever it is that you're getting into, but because you're enthusiastic, it makes a big difference. Um, I've seen people do like do things, that I thought, man, that person's never going to do this. you know. And they go in there with enthusiasm, with this sense of adventure and desire to learn. And then before you know it, they're doing it, and I'm sitting there thinking... Well, I was—I'm a fool. I—I I, I didn't—I didn't realize they would be able to do this, and they're doing it. And so, enthusiasm and drive can take you places. There's a great book by a guy named Daniel Pink. I might have mentioned this to you. It's called *Drive: The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us*. One of the best books I've ever read. Uh, it's definitely in the top, probably in the top 25 because I've got a lot of books that I like. But really, really good book. And it's it is my favorite book on motivation because it taught me a lot. And the main thing it taught me was is that what we believe motivates us is actually contrary to what actually does motivate us. If you ask people what motivates you, a lot of people would say, you know, money and prestige and, and uh, advancement, achievement, and, you know, clout and these things. And that's all, it sounds good and it makes sense, but what really motivates people is this internal desire like, to do things that you feel connected to. And so, like, you could you could go out and make millions of dollars, and that's great. Nothing wrong with that. But if you feel like you're not connected to what you're doing, and you feel like you're not making a difference, and you feel empty because of the work you do, let me tell you, the money is it's just not worth it. At least not to me. Some people may differ in that opinion. But if you go and you work at a job that maybe doesn't pay you, you know those millions of dollars, but you're totally fulfilled. You love what you do. Every day is not a a pain, but every day is 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 an amazing adventure. You get to uh, have be around good people and have a good life experience because life is what's happening right now. It's not what's tomorrow's going to bring or what yesterday. It's all about right now, and so you have to do things in life that lead to good outcomes right now in this moment, and so. If, yeah, if you're, if you're doing something that leads to those good outcomes right now, then that's worth all the money in the world. At least it is to me, you know, because tomorrow's not promised. It's just not. And yesterday is gone. And so how we live right now is where the magic is. That's where, and I, I, I told a friend, because we've been, I've been talking to friends, uh, and coronavirus obviously has been a hot topic. And I said, you know, this is, this is, this is a quote from me. I said, i think one of the greatest achievements in life is to be able to live for right now not worried about tomorrow or yesterday and i believe that if you can live for right now and enjoy the experience you're going through right now and be fulfilled man i mean what else do you need think about that (coughs) and so some other leadership traits integrity once again that comes up i've talked about that confidence cognitive ability to be able to think to process information you know and I've taught you this but business is about taking raw materials Uh, it's an input you put it into the business there's a throughput which is processing those materials and then you get an output right input throughput output we go through the same process inside our brain you have information that comes in it processes. This is called critical thinking, and then those critical thinking skills leads to outputs, which is where you interpret and you're able to analyze that information. And the better you can do that, the more value you bring to employers, to your to your colleagues, your co-workers, to your customers, to your associates. You bring that value. And education, you won't remember everything we talk about in this class. In fact, you only remember probably five to fifteen percent at the most that's a stretch at fifteen medical school students generally remember ten to twelve percent of what they learn but they learn through uh on the job training when they get to the residency that's where they really learn the core of what they need to know they have all the, the basics they pick up in medical school to give them a familiarity of what they need but when they get on the job that's where they really get to the the core ingredients you know think about in in this context if you went and learned how to cook in a cooking school but you really didn't cook you just learned it from a book but then they threw you in a kitchen for a year and you're working as an assistant chef to a a famous chef you're going to learn how to cook really well doing that and so cognitive ability how do we expand our minds through learning through reading through writing through intellectual activities that challenge us and college is about that and i'm glad you're a part of this experience and you know for the longest time i thought i was here in college to get a degree and i get a degree and then i get a job and that's that's the end of the party that's 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 what it's all about but i was so wrong when you get the degree that gives you a permission slip to learn for the rest of your life because what it says is that you can tackle any subject and if you apply your mind to it, you can learn anything you want to learn. From the most complicated stuff on earth to the simplest stuff, you can do that. <clears throat> and that's such a powerful thing to have that understanding of th- that you can achieve these things. Other traits, knowledge of the business, and things like charisma. What does that mean? What does charisma mean? Think about that while i taking a swallow of my water. Mm -hmm. so charisma is defined as personal magnetism it's this ability to draw people in and you probably know about people in your life that everybody just seems to flock to they're just the coolest people they're the happiest people they smile all the time they seem to always just, just have something good to say you know it's great to be around people like that right you know <clears throat> the first person that popped in my mind was is this lady that she's passed away now, but her name was Miss Beth Holland, and <laughs> she's quite a character. Uh, she lived, or, her her house was about uh, two miles or so from my parents' house in Sampson County, but uh, the last part of her life she spent running a little country store, and it's called Beth's, and. I used to work third shift at Walmart. And when I got off from third shift, I'd be heading home. It was usually 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, you know, and closer to 9 or 10 most of the time, to be honest. But, um, but when I got off, I was hungry. It's dinner time for me, right? And so I'd stop in at Beth's, and I'd walk in there, and Beth was always happy to see me. She'd say, hey, son. And she was just a very friendly and accommodating and welcoming person and people hung out in her store and they ate you know her breakfast they ate her lunch she baked cakes throughout the day and she would have these wonderful cakes on the counter my favorite was caramel oh man, i tell you that's uh that's a shame because i still like like uh i still hate the fact that i'll never have another beth caramel cake and you know i just if i ever find somebody or somewhere that makes a cake comparable it'll be amazing but she had this very very good caramel cake that would just it was just it's almost indescribable how good it was um and so i mean we would in fact it was so good that i had it for my birthday cakes on more than one occasion i think my wife had it for her birthday cake on more than one occasion and so but she had this charisma about her this personal magnetism she drew people in she was a leader in the community even though she was not a formal leader she wasn't a mayor or city council person or on the Board of Education but this 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 business was about a mile from the high school and the kids would go in there and visit with her she had this this charisma this magnetism this ability to connect with people and although she could get mad every once in a while but for the most part she was very happy and uh, content and seemed to be doing what she liked to do which was cook And so she didn't make hardly any money running this business. It was pretty much like a break-even, maybe a little bit of profit. There wasn't much profit. But for her, it was being able to do what she loved every day of her life, which is get up and cook for people and hang out with her friends who were her customers. And so do you see what I'm trying to say to you is that it's all about finding what you love in life and sticking with that. It's not about the money. I mean... I I I can I argue with people all the time about this like, you know that they say oh you got you got to make so much money you got to do this you know don't get me wrong, I would love to make more money and hopefully eventually I'll make more money, but you got to uh, find that thing you connect with and find that thing you love. I saw this survey it's been spent some time ago now that said that four out of five people don't like their job, and that's really sad you know to think that. Such a big chunk of our society spends a third of their life working a job that they don't like. What's that all about? I don't get it. I do get it, but, you know, it just seems like it's so backwards. You know, if you're going to you know, you're know, gonna sleep a third of your life away, you're going to spend another third in the house, you know, or whatever, doing what you're doing, living your personal life, and another third you're working, you know. And so... If your third of your life is not happy, and I've been there, I've worked jobs I didn't like, and it, affect, it infected the rest of my life. You know, my sleep was not as good. My family life was not as good. But immediately when I started doing other things that I liked to do, jobs that I liked, all my things, all the metrics of my life improved. And so, and I'm still not there yet. I've still got to continually improve my life. There's this Japanese philosophy called Kaizen, continuous improvement we all have to adopt that philosophy we're not we're never reach our best self always something more we can do always something more we can learn and so continuous improvements all right last few leadership traits creativity and originality and flexibility and adaptiveness yes so we've had to do a lot of adaptation recently have we not by being uh going from a cd to an online class All right, there's a couple more things I'm going to mention, then we'll wrap up. There's this Blake Mouton grid. It's hard to describe, but uh, it's in the book, and it's basically a quadrant, and it goes from dealing with people and processes. If you deal with only people issues, your processes are going to hurt. If you deal with only processes, your people are going to hurt. So you want to find this middle-of-the-road management situation. Check that out in the book. Um, and then the last few things are dealing with uh, transformational, visionary, and charismatic leaders. Uh, transformational leadership, uh, they, they deal with having to create a new vision for what the company will be. Um, you know, they, they focus on and inspire others to action through personal values, vision. Passion and belief in the commitment to the mission. Visionary leaders are those who influence others through an emotional or intellectual attraction. And then, lastly, charismatic leaders. They affect change in very large organizations. These are figureheads, these are individuals that people adore and want to follow. All right, guys, I went a little bit over our lecture, or maybe just right on it. I think we're at 53 minutes or so. I appreciate your time and attention. Anything I can do to support you, you know who to email. And I hope you have a wonderful four days, and I'll be back in touch with you on Tuesday. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for spending some time with me on the podcast. I hope you got something out of it and learned something that you can use in the world and share with others. If you did like it, please indicate so by liking, sharing, or going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Until next time, I wish you well.